RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Christina Macbeth started Nourished for Nil out of the goodness of her heart with no government support initially. It's since begun to work with wider networks of food rescue and distributors, Kiwi Harvest and New Zealand Food Network. But this comes now with funding from the Ministry of Social Development. And I'm reading the headline from a new story in the Herald, which came out only a week or so ago. Here's the headline, Hawke's Bay joins social supermarket movement with nourished for nil and foodstuffs. So Christina McBeth joins me right now on Reality Check Radio. We want to find out more. We were curious. It sounds like a really neat idea. Christina, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Okay, so the goodness of your heart. That's what I had. <laughs> it started out of the goodness. Of, well, obviously it must have been. But uh, yeah, well, tell us more it was about certainly that. A, so Nourish for Nil was born from a personal passion for doing something about waste, about food waste. Um, I grew up quite um, conscious and socially conscious of, of excess surplus from recycling to, you know, we had chicken scraps when I was young. And I remember always thinking, you know, when you were in in restaurants, if people didn't finish what was on their plates, you know, where did that end up? And then when I, um, when I was sort of late 30s, early 40s, I came across an article about an organization in France that was basically gleaning the surplus from cafes and restaurants and catering and giving it to members of the public. And I thought, well, heck, what a cool idea. And then in sort of 2017, actually, no, it was 2016, end of 2016, I read about a group doing it in Wellington. They were called the Free Store. And that piqued my interest. I thought, oh, well, this is this is a New Zealand. So if it's being done here now, there's a template. Surely this is something I could, you know, endeavor to at least look at in Hawke's Bay. And then um, I rang the individual running the free store and we had a chat. And he said, well, actually, there's another organization that's closer to you. Why don't you check them out? And that was called Just Zilch. And they're in Palmerston North. So I went along because the free store in Wellington is, is quite a bit different from what we do. They work out of a container and they collect from like 64 cafes. So we don't have that many cafes in Hawke's Bay. And we have, you know, we're in the fruit bowl here. So there's a quite a different variety of food that could be captured. But the the way that Palmerston North was doing it was very much more along the lines of how we would end up here in Hawke's Bay doing it. And it's basically just trying to get an idea of, you know, <laughs> We, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel. I was just seeing how it was done. And it's pretty simple. The idea, the concept is pretty simple. You you go into a cafe at three o'clock, you look in the display shelves, you see, oh, there's still lots of slices and there's a lot of sandwiches. You know, what's happening to that? And upon further investigation, I discovered that these, a lot of these cafes were either throwing it away, giving it to pigs, um, yeah, those two options: throwing it away wow. or giving it to pigs. They weren't they weren't reducing the price of the product. They weren't giving it to their staff, and it was you know a big health and safety issue for them. Um, it's why they were doing what they were doing. So we thought, well, hey, how about if we establish ourselves as a bit of a a non for profit and offer to take this off their hands and give it to the community? You know, would they be keen? And it, I must say it was seven out of 10 cafes were, were quite favorable. 
to try yeah, that. When you say health and safety, what what's the issue there? Because yeah. I mean, just because the the it comes to the end of the day, doesn't mean the foods. Exactly. At a particular scheduled time, does it? Exactly. That's that's precisely the thing. And I think it's just you know cafes wanting to be really careful. There's never any food poisoning. You know their hands are always clean, so to speak. But like you like you're saying, just because it's the end of the day doesn't mean that suddenly this food goes off. And if the Food Safety Act of New Zealand adopted a Good Samaritan clause in 2000. And 15, I believe, that basically said if the food was prepared in a commercial kitchen and all care is taken to, you know, transfer that food from a cabinet into a clean bin, then there's no liability on the on the person or the cafe making the food and no liability on the receiver, i.e. the middleman like us. Um, so that helped having that up our sleeve, um, being able to go around and say, look, you have no liability. You've made this in a in a kitchen that has food grade inspection um, satisfaction. There's no reason why you can't give this to us. And, okay, um, that's quite a quantity of food. I remember talking to the uh, Soupy, I think it was, um, founder, <laughs> and and um, the name right off the top of my head escapes me, but she, I do remember this. She said that I think close to half. It's either in the mid forties or high forties percent of food is wasted. Oh yeah, in fact, That's it's sometimes it's like sixty percent. Yeah, okay, like it's sixty percent. Some statistics say sixty percent of the food. So from the ground, from in the ground to the plate, it's a staggering sixty percent loss. Um, that's just you know that's not okay. And that's what they say, you know, we we grow enough, the world grows enough food to feed the population about two and a half times. It's just so much of it ends up being thrown out, spoiling. That, that, that's a good point because handled. people who argue for population decrease can't <laughs> kind of win that argument given that there is like the volume of food is there for even more people. Okay. Better infrastructure. So you gather it up. And I mean, some of that food is going to be more like your cafe food rather than your sort of like your supermarket food that you take home and sort of make stuff out of, you know, from the, from yep. the ingredients. So um, how do you bring it all together? So it's a, it's, it's quite an effort. It requires a lot of hands, a lot of volunteers, and then you need the, your infrastructure to handle it. So it's patience, getting to know your donors, being brave, going up to manufacturers, cafes, supermarkets, caterers, anyone that deals in the food industry and just trying to sell your idea to them. And, you know, once you're established, which we obviously are now, it, it makes it a lot easier to get people on board simply because they see that, you know, you're doing what you say you're doing. But, you know, bringing it together is, is just, it's incremental. And, you know, for anybody who is interested in starting a food rescue, you know, you basically, if you have a supermarket and a cafe and a, you know, a couple of, I don't know, gardens in your neighborhood you can it's just a matter of you know thinking small starting small and having good clean containers but using gloves making sure you have a, a way to store things that need to stay cold and i mean only for a couple of hours if you're collecting food from a cafe and you want to time your distributions to the community to be close so you don't even have to worry about temperature control um 
we we do the cafe runs around three and we we give it out at four thirty, so it's not a massive time difference. Um, and yeah, just <laughs> it's just it's easy to bring it together because it's you you you're serving a purpose. You know, you're you're connecting two points together, and you're seeing the result. Like you're giving this to people, you're seeing their faces. They're happy. You're happy. You've moved it. You've stopped it being thrown out. You've now given it to someone who's going to eat it. And, you know, all those steps are really logical once you have the pieces. The um, the other way of doing it is food banks, right? That's really been. And food I banks, guess, yeah. Food banks are a little different because the parcels have to have a certain requirement of food in them. Like you want to, you want to touch your food groups, and your, you want to have some meat in there potentially, and you want to have dairy in there, because this is again a little bit different. You have a family who may have had a complete loss of income, or the house burned down, or something like that, and you you have to, you can't give them a box of a couple of pies, maybe a bag of frozen peas, a yeah. bottle of juice, and um, busted square. You know, Custard Square, you know, that's that's all nice and good and tasty and tops up your, your meal in your kitchen, but a food parcel has to be much more descript. And for that, we also have to purchase food from time to time to make to, to round them out well. That's a slightly different approach. We can still put rescued product in there. Like, for example, we get lots of bread and that bread was baked yesterday in the supermarket. Um, or if we get a bunch of really nice vegetables, we might put them in. The reaction that you get, you know, when you approach people, you know, to help out, to contribute. Uh, I remember, you know, some years ago when they were trying to restore school lunches and there was all sorts of people saying, well, you know, the bloody parents have that responsibility. And there was a resistance to it when it was obvious that there were some kids who were lacking nourishment and, you know, without good nourishment, it's hard to learn all those things. It was kind of a no brainer, but there was, a sort of like a resistance to it sort of out in the community. Do you encounter any of that? Um, you, you know, I think early days we did because it's, maybe it's a little bit of old school thinking in that, yeah, exactly. Parents should be, you know, working hard enough to, to feed their kids. And I mean, I think in principle, most parents want to be able to earn enough to feed their kids. But the reality is, is that there's always going to be situations where that is not possible or it's difficult or something happens that suddenly interrupts a family's ability to provide for their children. My, my I guess one of my biggest things about school lunches is, and then that's that just stems back to my philosophy, is, is it, it creates more waste because then you get food that's getting you know sent into schools that children aren't eating because they don't like what it is or because they don't want to eat it because they don't want to look like they need it. Um, but yeah, we, you know, it's a, it, that's a hard one. And then, you know, our whole philosophy is not to judge and, and certainly not to look at somebody and go, well, you know, do you, do you need this? Um, you know, why are you here? And Jen, I think it's hard. I think you'll be hard pressed to find people who don't agree that, all right, if there's food to give, give it. Um, and don't don't be too judgmental about why somebody might be on the receiving end or why a parent might, can't afford to feed their child or think, are not pr- prioritizing it. I think one of the issues just now remembering um, also around the school lunch is not going to get hung up on that. Don't worry. But uh, 
is that uh, I think there was a thinking that a certain amount of kids who who were economically enabled through their families would get free meals. Uh, But, I mean, does anyone really care when? Yeah, that's what I mean. Most people, they probably just have to just let it let it be because yeah. <laughs> if you're going to look after a, a section of the society then you might just have to include the whole lot and so be it small beer in the end perhaps okay so how is how do people go about engaging with um nourish vanilla mm. well, at look, the consumer end yeah well so as you know we ha- we run three different services now we have the free food service which is the rescued. Then we have the food bank. And now we have the social supermarket. So the f- our primary service is the free food. And, and because everything that we give out is donated, we are not worried about who comes to take part in the service. Right. There's no qualification needed. Um, and, and, you know, that took a while, I think, to sink into the community that people because there'd be a lot of people go, oh, no, I don't need to come. Or, oh, did you see that person? They were well-dressed. Or, oh, they pulled up in a nice car. Um, it's a big, <laughs> it's been a big, it's been a big stereotype to knock down um, and trying to get people to see that you're actually doing the planet a service by by taking part in a food rescue program because this is then not going to be thrown out. Yeah. And it's a big deal. Food waste is a big, big deal. It's not some little niggly, you know, cute project. It's actually the methane that food rotting in landfill creates is it's a major greenhouse emitter. And you're actually being socially responsible by supporting an organization like ours. Because, you know, we're putting in all this work. You come and collect it for us. So there'd be so no trouble with someone like me rocking up. You know, obviously I can never my food, but. If I thought, well, yeah. I know I know the pies are good or, or yeah. custard squares are great or whatever, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, or come on behalf of someone else, you know, yeah. grab a bag or do of that. food yeah. and take it to a neighbor or, yeah, and that's, that's you know, we try to make it as, as accessible as possible and as friendly as possible and as normal as possible so people don't feel ashamed to be there because there's a lot who come because they literally cannot afford the cost of living. Yeah, and we we want them to blend in with everyone else. Yeah, that's that's so, that's that's cool. What about the social supermarket? How does that work then? Okay, so the food bank and the social supermarket are both agency refer based. So the yeah. agency does the vetting of the client um, because you know you you want people to not just be given stuff and then sort of help them perpetuate potentially a cycle that that could be um interrupted or or changed um and so by doing the vetting you know they're offering budgeting services um they're offering to you know potentially help um you know take over the food side of their bill while they pay off a car or send a child um you know into school in a nice uniform so that's where our because with a social supermarket now that's a completely different approach all the food in there is is purchased and that's food that we're purchasing there's some donated product in there in the sense of like Wadi's goes, okay, we'll give you, you know, 20 trays of spaghetti or Beard Brothers will give us, you know, a certain allotment of, of sausages, all supermarket grade donated. So that means we can put it into our supermarket with a points value 
And then the customer, the family can come in, depending on the size of their family, can then shop within that points range and then pay us a fixed amount. So we, it's a hugely subsidized. So 55 points, for example, that's the lowest number that's for a single individual that will cost someone $20. If you come from a big family where you might have six or eight people, you'll get an allotment of 75 points and that's $35. So we're trying to be, you know, we really see there's value when people can A, shop, they can choose what they want, they can do it with dignity, but they're also not walking out for free Yeah. because I think you value what you get a little more when you've actually contributed something towards it. The and, same that you wouldn't yep. go into a supermarket and think, hey, I'm going to roll out this door with a free trolley of goods. You're still paying something. So we're trying to mimic the real life situation. Yeah. So um, those points that you, you just gave us, those sort of, you know, break points for the individual, the family, that's enough to feed, what, someone for a week? Potentially, is that what you? Um, yeah, it should be. It should be definitely. Yep, it's it's quite a generous amount. Um, and there's a, a and we try to keep the variety in the supermarket quite. It's it's interesting that the what you'll find in our supermarket is the top three sellers of a particular line. So like we'll have three types of jam, or three types of pasta sauce, or you know three types of what well, actually way more. We have like seven types of cookies, but we're trying to give people a choice as well as give them choices that they would probably choose if they were in a normal supermarket. You wouldn't want to be um, offering too, too much of the, um, the non or the super processed foods though, would you? Because that's not going to do them any favors. No, it's, it's interesting that one that, and that's, that can be a store specific approach. Some, I know Tokoroa, for example, is run by Butterbean and he's, you know, he's big on on no junk food and his store, I think, has quite a limit, a limited range. Um, I think we're trying to be more of the mind of, you know, if somebody's struggling financially, you don't want to also punish them in a way or penalize them for their situation and go, well, sorry, you're not going to get nice things in our shop. Um, of course, within reason. And because the initial stocking of the supermarket now that we just opened was made with with um, foodstuffs funds, um, they decide what goes in first run. And after that, we can we can tweak it a little bit. You know, there's some things that we can decide to, to discontinue. Um, it's also going to depend on what what the buying habit is of the people in your town um, that might shape it. And also, you know, we might think, yeah, no, you know what? We don't need three flavors of potato chips. We might drop that down to two or we know we don't need all those different soft drinks. So it, it's it's, it's going to get chained mold over time and it will be relevant to, you know, the feedback from the community and and their buying habits. But can, we don't want to also dictate what they what they eat necessarily. I can hear our audience saying, drop the soda, drop the sugary drinks. Come <laughs> on, tell her to drop the sugary drinks. <laughs> So we don't have to have fluoride yeah. in freaking water. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So what do you see then? You're at the, well, well they call it the, the edge of the cliff or the, you know, where, where the rubber hits the road for people because that's food, right? That's food. So yep. what do you see? What's your impression of how things are based on what you see through what you're doing? You mean the, 
the as far as the community goes. Yeah, well, what what um what state is the community in? How hard are people doing it? Oh man, you know, we we have a particularly um because of where we are. You know, we're Hope's Bay. We've got we've got living crisis, inflation, um, and cyclone. So it's it's honestly it's pretty dire. I mean, I've I've been in this business now nearly seven years, and every time I'm interviewed or asked, I would say, yeah, no, it's we're definitely doing it tough. But I mean, it's like it's uncomfortable tough at the moment, and I think it's because when when there has been crisis in the past, it tends to only affect a certain group of people or you know a part of town or. I mean, and this is collective down here, even those who weren't directly affected by the cyclone, they know so many people who were, and it's just, it's heavy, you know, it's, it's hard. And, and people that, that were before not, you never found themselves on the bread line. You know, they had a business, they had a beautiful home. And the fact that so many of them got wiped out down here and got both of them. I mean, we had a woman that showed up on our doorstep a couple months back. She was dressed really nicely and she just burst into tears. She goes, I would never in a million years have ever asked for help. And you could just feel her vulnerability and it, it, it like makes your heart ache. So yeah, you know, that made my heart ache. I wasn't affected personally, but I am because of the, just the heaviness down here. And people trying to somehow still make sense of of what's happened. And food is like, you know, like the one thing you can do to try and comfort yourself is, mm. um, is try and help people. And, and it feels like such a minimal thing you can do, but it, it actually, it actually probably echoes louder than you think. So yeah, they're doing it tough down here. It's it's it sucks, and I'm really honest with you. And we're feeling it. I mean, my warehouse, you know, we've got we've got food supply in here. Um, you know, we've got pallets of food, but like realistically, if we if we suddenly stopped getting food today, we would have maybe ten days supply to wow. supply the community. You know, we're we're used to getting, you know, a continuous, not continuous, but a relatively reliable flow of food. And and we've been feeling it. So we're starting to have to think outside the box. You know how we've kind of created a cross our own back. But um, we're you know, we're in it for the long haul. We're, we're not going to we're not going to bow out. We're going to do what we can to, you know, and, and that means things like, you know, urging our community to to maybe grow some vegetables for us or um you know maybe get a kitchen involved or the stuff that we are giving to pigs which isn't a lot but it could be up to six or eight buckets a day that we're actually turning that into chutneys or jams or or putting it into scones you know trying to make stuff go further and just think smarter um yeah yeah wow okay if um if any of our listeners want to support what you're doing, is that possible? Absolutely. You take donations, not just food, you know, money. Absolutely. We do have a give a little page. Um, you can find that on our website, nourishedfornil.org, www.nourishedfornil. That's nourished with an E-D, not nourish, but nourished. 
Gotcha. Um, and there's a give a little page on there. We are all going to, if people want to, you know, check back in the future too, we're going to have a link on there. So people can pay it forward for a supermarket shop. Oh, so yeah. if someone comes yeah. into the social supermarket and they can't afford it, well, then there's money there. So yeah, that's, that, that can always help. And, um, you know, if people know any suppliers in the Hawke's Bay who aren't giving to us, then, you know, give them a nudge. We're always, yeah. we're always yeah. open and we can come and pick up whenever needed. We're pretty much a seven day week operation. Here's the, how does it feel question that often comes? How does it feel doing this? It must be, I mean, I, I can hear the, there's a sort of a certain wariness in your voice, but I know that's because it's a treadmill. You got to keep going. I, I get that, <laughs> but there must be some amazing moments. Actually. Oh, absolutely. And you know, nine times out of ten, you just you go home and your heart full is heart your heart is full, and you you know you've made a difference to many people. Um, and also, the volunteer community we've built here is phenomenal. You know, we've we've so many people that work together that would have nothing in common otherwise, and it's become a real social, I mean, we've got people coming along because they just want to be part of the social group, you know, um, that's absolutely, it feels great. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm still doing this nearly seven years on. I, I've, I feel like, you know, I've been able to pass on the, the baby to an operations manager now, so I don't have to hold so many balls in the air, but the actual, the heart and the philosophy and the, and the direction is, um, always needs to be nurtured and cared for and and sort of upheld also you know when times are tough or 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 everyone's getting too tired because you've been putting in unbelievable hours um but you just don't lose sight and everyone that comes here to help you know they're just always blown away just mm. just love it so it's self-perpetuating and it's self-fulfilling well, that's so cool. Thank you for coming on to Reality Check Radio and telling us about what you're doing. Christina Macbeth, the founder of, I think you're co-founder, actually. Is that the, is that the more accurate? Yeah, I, I am co-founder. The, the, the girl who started it with me has not been part of this for quite some time. Um, but absolutely, she was she was essential to me having the guts to start this. Anyway, thanks for coming on and telling us about it. And uh, um, just hang in there keep on doing what you're doing thank you very much rcr with paul brennan reality check radio